Lord, I thank you for this opportunity that we have to gather as your people. But Lord, I I thank you that first and foremost, we are your people. We know you. We hold your words here bound together in this book before us. What a tremendous blessing to not have to, to guess at what you are thinking, but to know it and to converse with you about it. Lord, I ask that you would help me here this morning as you use me to communicate your truth to your people. I am a broken, sinful man. I pray that you would forgive me and and speak through me in spite of my failures. Help each and every one of us to listen to your word with an open heart. We thank you. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Bless their heart. Anybody ever hear that before? Maybe something like, bless their heart. You know, if they would just stop making poor decisions, they wouldn't be in that spot. Bless their heart. You guys ever heard something like that? A a good old bless their heart. Or maybe you've heard something that sounds more like, I'm just saying you can't fix stupid and they're full of stupid. They just need a a little common sense. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You ever heard anything like that? Or maybe you have said something like that. I'd venture to guess that if we were all kind of honest with ourselves, we've said something like that to one degree or another in our lifetime. I know that I have on a few occasions and have been on the receiving end of it. You see, it's human nature to observe how others can improve and grow, but to much rather just just talk about it to others than to actually do something, right? That's why we say, I'm just saying, because we have no intention of doing. When you put your faith in Jesus... We know that the gospel begins to transform our life. The gospel brings us together as one family of God. And it does so, so that we can grow through relationships into the likeness of Jesus Christ. You see, we need each other. We need each other to grow. And in order to grow... We need to learn from the observations that others have about our lives. This is countercultural, right? This idea is not what we find. It's countercultural to not just bless your heart, but to actually bless their life. It's a gospel relationship that is doing something to help rather than just saying something to someone else. As we continue our series through the one and others of the New Testament here, this morning we're going to be focusing our time 
on one verse of Scripture, but two one another's. I know we just heard the reading of 1 Thessalonians, but this morning I want to focus our attention on Colossians 3.16. I think you're going to see how this one verse fits in the greater context that 1 Thessalonians helps us see. You turn in your copy of God's Word to Colossians 3.16, we discover that in the church we are led to growth by teaching one another. We grow by admonishing one another. As I warned you several weeks ago, we're going to, in my little kind of spoiler alert for the whole, whole series, what we're going to quickly discover in each and every one of these is that we do these things, we teach one another, we admonish one another because of the gospel. If you look in your copy of God's Word, Colossians 3.16 says, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. There is so much to unpack in this one verse. So much so, we're actually going to split this into two sermons, right? This morning, we're going to look at the first part, teaching and admonishing one another. And in several weeks, we're going to look at that second part of what it looks like to be singing to one another. But that first part of verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. This phrase, this, these, these words are so full of instruction. They are like a Chipotle burrito, okay? They are just so packed and overflowing with flavor and nutrition. We're going to need two hands to be able to eat this thing. If you are taking notes this morning, I've got a very simple outline for you. One, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Two, teach one another in all wisdom. And thirdly, admonish one another in all wisdom. See how simple that is? It's just the verse. We're pretty straightforward here at Parkside, folks. And I also know it's, it's July, it's a nice summer day. If I overcomplicate this too much, I might lose some of you to a nap or something. So we're going to keep this real simple. We're just going to walk straight through this first part of the verse. And let's start with point number one, where, where everything starts. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. What a beautiful phrase. The word of Christ brings the meaning of both the literal words spoken of Jesus, but also the message, the idea of Jesus. It's just like when a herald would come and announce that he had a word from the king, or that fear that you would just 
rise up in your heart when the principal would come to you and say, I'd like to have a word with you, son, in my office. Not that I ever received that at all. I'm just using that as an example. (laughs) What we're doing here is we're speaking of both the instruction and the message of Jesus. We summarize this by saying something like the gospel and the teachings of Jesus, right? The gospel being the good news, the good news that Jesus came and died for our sins to redeem us back to God. And if we trust in Jesus alone for salvation, we will be saved from our adversarial rebellion against God. We'll be saved from the the consequences of being an enemy of our creator. The message is the word of Christ. And it's also the same as when Jesus said in, in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Yes, Jesus is the life, but He also gives instruction to the truth of life. He also gives instruction as to what the way of life is. You see, the word of Christ is full of instruction for how to be Christ-like. Here in Colossians 3.16, we are instructed that, that before we can look to one another... We must look at ourselves. We must let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. Jesus' instructions for life fill the Bible. And so should they fill our life. And Scripture loves this idea of dwelling. This is one of the unique qualities of God is that he dwells with his people. You think back to the Old Testament with the temple and the tabernacle. The Shekinah glory of God would descend upon the Holy of Holies and God would dwell in the midst of his people. We see it in the way that believers in Jesus Christ are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. You see, God puts down stakes. He moves into the neighborhood. He is right there with you. For the believer in Jesus, God moves in. He stakes down in your life through the richness of his word. And that proximity to his holiness changes us. It transforms us. So ask yourself, does does the message and instruction of Jesus dwell in you this morning? Do you find yourself just meditating on a verse? Does the word of Christ just stick in your brain? Does the word of Christ, are are you working on memorizing it and hiding it in your heart? 
And let's not just leave it at that, because that's not what the verse does. The verse says that the word of Christ should dwell in you richly. Richly. What a great descriptor. We are not simply asking if you are on a Bible reading plan or if you have read your Bible every day this week, right? Those things are good, but what this phrase is doing is moving past the regiment and moves into the affections of your heart. Do you just read your Bible or do you dwell in it? Does the message and instruction of Jesus spark an excitement to your core? Does it determine more than just actions and decisions, but does it determine your motivations? Maybe you have been around this book for some time, and it sits there all week to just make its brief appearance on a Sunday morning. Or it's something that you read regularly, but its freshness and its vitality has waned in your heart. Ask yourself, when was the last time just a sentence or a phrase of the Bible infused an exuberance for God deep within you? Richly is an abundance, an abundance in your heart that's just overflowing with the message and the instruction of Jesus Christ. And it is from there that dwelling richly in the word of Christ, that is our foundation from which we build. The gospel is our our launching pad into life. You see, the the word of Christ is the, the source material we cite. The message of Jesus is the inspiration for every lesson. And the instruction of Jesus is, is the litmus test to which we hold one another to. You understand that? That this is not a source or an inspiration. The word of Christ is the, the one and only standard. We hold to it with an attention to detail. We dwell in it. And we dwell in it richly. Church family, don't be fooled into thinking that your two-person tent is enough. Or even your 2,000-square-foot house. Dwell richly in the estate that is God's word. Then, from there, from that place of rich dwelling, we look to grow through the relationships around us. And from this verse, we learn that we grow by teaching and admonishing one another with the word of Christ. Okay, I I hope that we're all seeing that here. When scripture says to teach 
and admonish one another, we are not passing out personal opinions or just some kind of favorite recipe. We are drawing others into the dwelling with us. We're inviting them to see God as he has shown himself to us in his word. That's why it's important to dwell richly in the word of Christ. That usually goes really wrong when you try to invite somebody into something you really don't care about. Let's be honest. You don't want me to help you with your fantasy baseball league. I'm the wrong guy for that, right? Go see Pastor Justin. I don't know the first thing about that. Well, I've seen uh, Rookie of the Year, so I maybe give you a little bit of tips. But maybe, you know, camping. Okay, there we go. Exploring some national parks, state parks. I can help you out with that. That's something that I really enjoy. If we ever look to be able to teach or admonish or, or to receive teaching or admonishment, we look for those who dwell in that subject matter deeply, richly. Now you'll notice the next two points, teach one another in all wisdom and admonish one another in all wisdom. They both end with that phrase in the verse, in all wisdom. This is really important. Let's not miss this phrase here, okay? Wisdom is crucial to the delivery of teaching. It's crucial to the delivery of admonishing. And I have to tell you, it's also pivotal in receiving it. You see, wisdom is the life application of gospel knowledge. Let me say that for you one more time. Wisdom is is the life application of gospel knowledge. We are not called to fill our brains with Bible trivia, but rather we are called to fill our hearts with Bible application. It is to come alongside of one another and say something like, you know what? I've struggled with depression. Let me show you how God's word helped me when I was in those dark times. It looks something like this when, when you go to another believer and say, you know what, I, I've noticed you're really struggling with anger. And that's not a Christ-like attitude. Let me show you what God's word says about that. Let me pray with you. Let me help you. See, the gospel teaches us. The gospel admonishes us. The word of Christ admonishes our sins and, and teaches us what life without Jesus could look like. So with wisdom, we are promoting the knowledge and application of the gospel that has transformed our lives. And so helping others to find that same restoration. Wisdom teaches that the end does not justify the means. But rather, 
the means by which the gospel redeems and restores are applicable at every stage of life until the end. And so, in wisdom, we teach one another and we admonish one another. What we do is we we apply gospel knowledge to our life and share with those God has placed around us, right? That is wisdom. So let's dive in deeper here. Let's look, what does it mean to teach one another in all wisdom, right? Teaching one another in all wisdom is the action of instructing someone about the riches of God's word. Do you hear that? It's the action of instructing someone about the riches of God's word. Too often we think of teaching only in the context of someone standing before a group of people lecturing information that may or may not have life application. That is teaching, but what it also means is it it includes the the one-on-one explanations that honestly more frequently fill our day-to-day life. Look at the example of Jesus. Sure, there's plenty of moments where he's teaching on the shoreline to large crowds, but more frequently we see him pulling someone aside along the road and giving them instruction. For you see the commission, the great commissioning, the task for all followers of Jesus is to make disciples by teaching them to observe all that Jesus has commanded. Parkside family, we need more one-on-one teaching of one another. We don't need more sermons in our week. We don't need more BI classes. We don't, we don't need more organized Bible studies. Those things are good. They are helpful, and you should be a part of them. But what we need is more older ladies grabbing coffee with a young mom to help her understand what biblical motherhood is. What we need more of is older men getting that young guy out of bed to go grab breakfast with him at Flapjacks to teach him how the Bible has caused him to be a Christ-like man. What we need is more of you to grab one another and teach one another the word of Christ. That's not something we pastors can program. There's no structure that we can put in place that will magically create that. You, all of you, must step up or seek out someone. I personally like to think of it this way. I look to have three people in my life. Someone who is down the road from me a little bit in life's journey, maybe somebody that I'm just ahead of, and a third person who's maybe at the same mile marker in life as me. 
and inviting those people to teach me, to instruct my life. I can remember seeking that out. I was a a junior at Moody preparing for ministry, and at my breaks, I would always come home here and grab every available meeting I could with Pastor Grafe. I would sit in his office here at the church with a notebook just full of questions. I was just trying to seek that wisdom that he had in the word of Christ. Even today, I try to grab coffee with Jim Kime, a man in our church who's a little bit further down life's road than me, and to sit there and just listen, allow the wisdom in his life with Christ to instruct me, to teach me. Right? These types of teaching relationships are essential for the gospel unity of the church. May I encourage you to give that instruction, but to also seek it out. Receive it. Look for the opportunities. But also, look for those informal moments. You know, right now, we need a lot of nursery workers. There's a lot of babies in there. I don't know if you heard, I added to that problem there a little bit. Uh, Last time I preached three weeks ago, I literally ran from this pulpit picked up Sarah, we went to the hospital, and and Eileen was born. So we need some nursery workers. We We need some help. Why don't you think about it this way? Why don't you go and rock a baby and talk to the lady next to you and just listen as the richness of God's word dwelling in her heart just spills out? We need volunteers in the park. Why don't you just go and plant flowers and the guy next to you, you just start sharing where the the richness of God's word is dwelling in your life at that moment. We need these informal moments. And you see, if, if the word of Christ truly is dwelling in us richly, then when we find ourselves in those situations, it just spills out because it's filled to the brim. See, we are called to teach one another in all wisdom the word of Christ. So we need to be taught by one another. Let's just get really practical here for you, all right? Here's what I want you to do. By the end of this service, I want you to think of just two people. I'm going to try to make this really easy. Two people. One person that you would like for them to, to teach into your life, to instruct you. And one person you look at and say, there's somebody I could lend a hand to and help out. And I want you to make it your goal that by the end of this week, you'll set up a time to meet with them in the future. That's really easy. I'm not even saying meet with them this week. Just use this week to figure out a time to meet with them sometime in the next four to six weeks. And let's begin this practice that we are all called to do by teaching 
one another. And if you find yourself incapable of coming up with names, then stop and pray and ask God to bring someone into your life. And in the meantime, get serving in the church so that way you find more of those informal moments that teach you in all wisdom. We are called to teach one another. But we are also called to admonish one another. Admonishment, yay. That's one we definitely need wisdom in. Admonishment in all wisdom is gravely lacking in our day and age. There's often confusion as to what this looks like, right? We live in a culture that the predominant thinking is, let me do me and you do you. And we'll put up walls to anybody who tries to break that, right? We, we live in a culture that is built around the independence and isolation of self, And if we do try to speak into someone else's life, it'll either just turn into advice from some personal experience, but it's dissolve of any truth of God's word. Or we receive admonition with defensiveness. We are void of the wisdom in the word of Christ. You see, Admonishing one another is not advice. Admonishing one another is the strong encouragement based in the wisdom of Jesus Christ. Okay? Admonishment is the strong encouragement based in the wisdom of Jesus Christ. This is not some abstract life path. No, it is practical moral counsel that is life-changing. It's taking the life transformation of the gospel, what the gospel has done in your life, and pointing out when others may need that same application in their life. Receiving admonition should not be felt like discipline but it should be felt as encouragement, a a push towards Jesus. It's like when a brother or sister in Christ lovingly rebukes you for the hurtful thing that you said about someone. Or it's that gentle nurturing that comes when an older saint affirms the difficult decisions you've been making to apply the gospel in your life. You see, Jesus loved those around him. Sure, he he cared for their needs. He took care of people, but he also would gently admonish them when there was something in their life that needed to be corrected. Love doesn't let someone hold on to a misunderstanding of the gospel. Love doesn't let someone stay in a misapplication of the gospel. While teaching may be more directed at the mind, admonition is directed at the heart 
It's reinforcing the teaching with specific life application. And as a church family, we need this. This is what helps us grow through relationships by admonishing one another in all wisdom of the word of Christ. Earlier, Jen read for us 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 to 22, which again calls us to admonish one another. In the passage, it says that we should admonish the idle. We should encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with all of them. Whether you like it or not, each of us fit those descriptions. And each of us need the admonishment the word of Christ has. You see, the, the relationships and bonds that we forge in things like Sunday school or Bible studies or with the people that we serve together in the storehouse, We need those moments of rubbing shoulders with people so that when the opportunities come that we need admonishment, people are there to give it to us. But also earlier, I spoke of having people in your life, an intentional relationship to teach you and for you to teach. You see, when we have those types of intentional relationships, What they do is they provide for us a a bond of understanding, a a trust to allow those words of admonishment to be heard. And often they, they give way to a conversation that allow the admonishment to be very specific and practical in our own lives. My prayer is that each and every one of us will receive admonition as a blessed gift and not as an embarrassing assault. I pray that you will give admonition as a a humble offering and not as casting judgment. And if you're wondering in your mind, uh, well, what's the balance between judging and admonishing? Well, I'd encourage you, go back a few weeks to Pastor Justin's sermon on do not judge. He helps us understand that well. For you see, my my fellow Christians, the tender task of admonishing one another in all wisdom is the responsibility of the redeemed. Do you hear me? fellow followers of Jesus, okay? Receiving admonition, receiving it is a requisite for restoration. God uses these things to chisel us into the likeness of Jesus Christ. We live in a world that doesn't listen to understand. We live in a world that does not listen to to help, but rather it listens to discover disagreements and quickly cancel that person out. We live in a world that is quick to respond, but very slow to listen. Quick to judge, 
but slow to understand. And here in the church, in God's family, we go to one another. We don't do those things. We go to one another in love with the purpose of gospel restoration. Together, we seek to understand how the gospel applies to each action, to each motivation, so that gospel unity with one another can be found. Lord willing, we're going to begin a series of meetups. We're going to start next Sunday evening, recalling these Christ and cultural conversations. We're going to meet up at the shelter house here at Northwest Community Park at 7 p.m. We're just going to have a conversation. We're going to sit with one another. We're going to help each other see how the gospel applies to all the things that are happening in our country right now. Our country is in a trying time. We all know that we have a lot of talking heads just yelling opinions at us. So more than ever, more than ever, we need to grow through relationships that are teaching and admonishing one another. We need each other to teach us what the gospel says about the value of life. We need to grow through relationships that admonish us when our political agendas are corrupting our gospel application. Right? It is in gospel unity that we shine a light into the darkness of our world. But in order to have that gospel unity, we must step out. We must reach out to one another to teach and admonish each other in all wisdom in the word of Christ. The beauty of these two one another's here in Colossians 3.16 is that they are rooted deep in a personal relationship with the word of Christ. Our own maturation in the message and instruction of Jesus. Dwelling richly in the word of Christ will allow us to teach and admonish in all wisdom. They will allow us to be taught from the gospel, to be admonished of our sins, so that in return we can be used by the Holy Spirit to help those around us. Teach one another, admonish one another, but first, dwell richly in the word of Christ. As we close our service, we're going to turn to a time of silence to give you some quiet reflection. And I want you to ask yourself, how is your relationship with the word of Christ? And answer Who have you invited into your life to teach you, to admonish you in all wisdom? 
Maybe in this time of silence, this is your moment to write down those two names that I spoke of earlier. And as I invite you to close your eyes, before you reflect on those things, meditate here on these words that we find in Psalm 119, 25 through 32. My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. When I told of my ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous works. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Put false ways far from me and graciously teach me your law. I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I set your rules before me. I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Let me not be put to shame. I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. Father God, take this time now to enlarge our hearts, to stir our feet, to run the way of your commandments. And as we run, may we run together and help one another by teaching and admonishing each other in all wisdom of the word of Christ.